Greetings, everyone, and welcome to another episode of The Decision Hour. I'm your host, Adam Bird. This show is about philanthropy, entrepreneurship, positive thinking, and humanity, a show that will help you make the decision when your hour is upon you. Our guests share some of their experience, expertise, and stories during their decision hour. You get to hear what they're doing today and how it might be able to help you. My guest today is the same and is doing some great things in the community. And we're going to bring him on here in just a minute. But first, I want to give a huge thanks to Heroes Media Group and all the great shows and sponsors on the network. To learn more about Heroes Media Group or to become part of the family, simply go to www.heroesmediagroup.com. All right, folks, now it's time. Grab a pen and a pad because it's time for your decision hour. My guest today is great friend. I'm honored, truly humbled and honored to call this guy a friend of mine. It's Mr. Michael Penny, USMC veteran. He's the program director over at uh, Bunker Labs in Raleigh-Durham down in North Carolina. He's also the co-host of Cigars and Sea Stories. So without further ado, Michael, are you with us? Yes, sir. How's it going? It's going good, buddy. How you been? I'm doing really well, dude. Crazy busy, but it's a good problem to have. Well, yes, it is. Yes, it is. So, Michael, tell our listeners more about you. Sure. Yeah. Um... So I grew up uh, in Midland, Michigan, graduated high school, immediately enlisted in the Marine Corps. I should I should say I barely graduated high school and then immediately enlisted in the Marine Corps. And uh, I was infantry the entire time, did two tours to Ramadi, Iraq with 3-7 Weapons Company. Um, while I was there, I served as a lead truck driver, uh, high back ambulance driver, essentially. I was a vehicle commander. A dismounted patrol leader did a variety of different things. It was fantastic. Reenlisted overseas. Went to Quantico, trained officers at uh, Weapons Training Battalion in the basic fundamentals of marksmanship, which was a crazy awesome challenge. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> for two different for two different reasons. One is it got you over the fear of public speaking. Yeah. Two is. Uh, it lifted the veil of mystery on the officer court. <laughs> yeah. and, and I'm just like, oh, geez, man. Yep, they're as dumb as we are. Yeah. And, and, you know, you just what it what it really boils down to is, you know, in the Marine Corps, and I can only speak intelligently to my branch of service, but officer candidate selection really weeds out whether or not you can lead anybody. The basic school gives you uh, – basic understanding of the Marine Corps as a whole. And so we got, I mean, like brand new lieutenants three weeks into the basic school coming down to the range, just gear bombs, you know, like jingling down there. The poor bastards are up at like zero four in order to hump all the way over to your range where you're you're like strolling in with coffee and stuff. You're like, all right, let's do this. (laughs) Ugh. We're not no, gonna ask. Were you, were you down there? Were you? Did, did you ever have those moments where you looked at that and you're like, "Shit, this is the future of the Marine Corps." <laughs> <laughs> you know? Okay, here's here's <laughs> when I thought that we have this saying as a CMT, and, and and if you don't know, all right, here's how you become a CMT in the Marine Corps: you go to coaches course. You serve as a coach for like six months, then you go to CMT course, that's Combat Marshall Trainer's course, then you teach platform instruction. You can snap in, all of that other stuff. You're a PMI, essentially. When you're a CMT, a Combat Marshall Trainer, aboard Quantico, you're the guy who teaches all of the period of instruction. And then you walk around lieutenants. So you have a platoon that's 50 lieutenants. When would you see a gaggle of 50? That's that's my term. That's not a that's a 
It's a bit of a pejorative term. I'm, I'm going to keep uh, that word, gaggle. I'm writing that down, gaggle. Right. When would yeah. you see a gaggle of butter bars strutting around? And, of course, it's going to be, you know, weapon strain battalion. So here's where I said to myself, that's the future of the Marine Corps. We have this saying as a CMT of a choke. Just you're... <laughs> You get all the way to call day, and then you're, and then it's like target 38's falling apart. Like what? What do you mean target? That's he, that guy's not on my list. What do you mean? I've never even seen that person. I checked his data book. He's good. What do you mean 38's having a problem? You walk down there. He's got three verified misses on the 300 yard line because the the guy didn't change his freaking his rear sight aperture. Biggity bam. What? <laughs> what? You what? This final exam, sir. Uh, and then you're looking at him, and here's the problem with you're this. looking if at you, him, and you're like quartermaster. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Well, you're pulling a student platoon commander aside, like, hey, <clears throat> I'm gonna try to get this guy an alibi on this line, okay? You know what I'm saying? Like, I'm not gonna finagle, but I'm gonna argue some gray areas, all right? And uh, and we'll see what we can do for this dude. But he is choking. What is going on here, right now? Keep in mind, if the guy goes unk, that means unqualified, I got to come in on Sunday and snap in with that dude. Yay! <laughs> and then we have to shoot a requalification course of fire on Monday while everybody else is over at the schoolhouse training officers in the nice warm classroom, and you're downrange hanging out with this guy. And nine times out of ten, he's got, like, Coke bottle glasses. You know what I mean? They're like, oh, focus on the front sight. Don't worry about the target. Just put it... I. It, don't put it on a blurry black target. Just a blurry white square will do. It just you're an area shooter, sir. You're an area shooter. It's okay. Just put it close. It's all right. Just put it just, close. Uh, just hit the damn thing so that we can make sight adjustments consistently. Uh, yeah. Wow. Seventeen lieutenant details. Seventeen lieutenant details, dude. And think about how many other recall pistol, recall rifle. So that's all that I did is I I taught periods of instruction, went down range, yes, demonstrated, ran the range, stuff like that with all of my other instructors. I mean, you don't do it alone, obviously, you know, but Christ, they could, you know, here's the kid who went to the detention room every afternoon. And yet I'm down range holding courses of fire, like range safety officer calling in stuff hot. I'm like, yeah, man, this is cool. <laughs> this is, yeah. All right. You know, it was good times. It was one of those things where it was like, there's only eight of you, you know, at that moment in time, there's only eight of you on the, it's called the hill. Yeah. You know, it's cool. But from there, I was just, I was like, you know what? 17 lieutenant details, recall, all of this other stuff. I'm done. It's time to get some trigger time of my own. Everybody else is going back to the fleet, you know, and I had done Dizzy and Marksmanship course, which does not exist on paper in the Marine Corps. It does in the Marine Corps security forces. So I got to go to the Marine Corps Security Forces package as an instructor. If you're a combat marksmanship coach, trainer, and formal school instructor, you have fulfilled all of the baseline criteria necessary in order to pick up an instructor tab. Nice. Anywhere else that you go. So I got to go and become a designated marksman instructor, even though I wasn't going to be per, you know, like per, uh, what is it, permanent staff. And it was just like the coolest thing in the world. It was the greatest course. I highly recommend it. DMs or at least the ones who are school trained are excellent at their job and they blend right into the squad, but they act as a precision weapons element within the squad. And so, uh, I got to do a lot of high speed, low drag schools like that. Formal school instructors course, 
foreign weapons instructors course, which is melded into small arms weapons, which is awesome. Shot a lot of high risk personnel ranges and stuff like that. It was awesome. It was awesome. And I really wanted to be a gunner in the Marine Corps. So, uh, which is a chief warrant officer in the infantry. So I wound up going and, uh, and saying, hey, I want to go to uh, 1-5 who was deploying to Sangin to take over 3-5. I had some fellow instructors who went with 3-5 Dark Horse to Sangin. And if you know anything, they had a, uh, they had a meat grinder of a deployment. And they fought real hard and did really well against a, uh, a serious adversary. So they came home with honor and we replaced them in Sangin. We wound up. My team went to Kajaki. Um, <laughs> which... <laughs> Oh my God, Kajaki! Kajaki at the time had a uh, section. It was an artillery battery, so they had like what two sections or whatever. I don't know. I'm I'm not an artilleryman. So these guys, they're awesome, but they did a relief in place while like in the middle of our deployment. So I don't know if you've ever been on deployment while your adjacent unit is there rips out, but that really sucks. Yeah, not good times. That's the only you're like, oh, I built a relationship. Now the newbies are coming in. Now it's good for the new guys. Right. It makes sense why they do it that way. But man, it sucks. And so when we got the new artillery section in Brimstone, they did a fantastic job, but they had limited infantry training. So us as infantry, infantrymen and military police officers trained them in patrol leader tactics, as well as train the Afghans in firearms uh, you know, basic police tactics, orderly discipline, uniform conduct, appearance, and the like. But we would be embedded with them, and we'd roll out on patrol. And it was good times, man. It was crazy. That sounds but like so, you had a blast. No, yeah. No pun intended, but I mean, it's yeah. Not, you know. yeah. <laughs> and, and don't get me wrong. Now, everybody hears advisor, and they're like, oh, Mike, I see the beard. Did, is that what you look like downrange? No, hell no. <laughs> no. <laughs> like... It was it was like high and tight, you know, Marine Corps standards and everything else because you don't want them to think like you've gone native. Like, no, man. Yeah. Nope. I'm 100 percent a foreigner. Yeah, I can speak some of your language and I understand your culture to whatever extent. I'm not here to kill all of you guys. I just want to work with you in order to give you over the battle space. And they're like just a handful. <laughs> cool. Right. But I'm telling you what, man, we never had any problem, at least not up in Kajaki. The last. The last two months, we had a new unit come in and rip out with us, and so we headed down to Sangin, to PB Gumbadi, which, by the way, when I die and go to hell, they're going to send me to PB Gumbadi. <laughs> that place sucked. That was like, oh, oh, dude, there's, oh. There was like 12 of us and 80 Afghans. I hope you guys are list- that are listening to this uh, show right now uh, have your pen and pad and you make sure that you're writing uh, these places down. And make sure you put them on your top 1,000 uh, tourist destinations. And, and, and I would move that somewhere near the 999, you know, even the 1,000 right. mark. Yeah. Uh, so. Oh, man. <laughs> oh, it was so bad. The last, okay, so the last two months, I served in two wars, and I have star on my combat action ribbon. Um, but I, the last two months in combat, we were on 50 50. So it was six on, six off, right around the clock. And right. then we had another post that was a couple hundred meters away that we needed to man with a small size element. So we needed to have a QRF force 
in our patrol base. We needed a quick reaction force. Right. And so, <laughs> so it's you're six on post, six on QRF, right? Which are you going to sleep in the heat of the day? That's just not going to happen. No. Plus, we have sandbags to fill and posts to reinforce and machine guns to clean and ammo to count and everything else that goes into running a patrol base, right? And then you've got six hours on post again, and then you've got six hours on rest cycle. It drops to a bone-chilling 93 degrees at night, okay? Like, it's just like, oh, man. It's like being caught inside of a blow dryer. <laughs> you know, you're just like, oh, God, why do people live here? Oh, man. <laughs> you know, and then you have this weird human breeze that comes off of the uh, off the river. So it's this really strange mix and mingle, and everything's, of course, close to the river. So... Uh, so the uh, the last few months, needless to say, were a real pain in the ass. <laughs> I think that's the easiest way to put it. And uh, we ran out of, like, chow and water. The Afghans were, were getting us food and all sorts of stuff. It was great. It was just like, wow. Like, the other unit that we were working with, they needed to leave, and so they grabbed a bunch of ammo, equipment, all sorts of stuff. We had, like, one lamp, yeah. a chair, <laughs> uh a prick 119. <laughs> they were so tired of this. They're like, F this, we're leaving. <laughs> Dude, I swear to God, that's exactly what it was. I swear to God. It's like we I'm really, not even joking. Should we leave these other guys here? Screw the other guys. Let's get the hell out of Dude, here. that's what happened. They were like, that gunny is a dick. Let's just get out of here. I swear on a stack of Bibles. And the platoon commander was, uh, the platoon commander was one of my shooters in... In boot camp, or uh, at TBS, he was one of my shooters. And so, and he was like, he pulled me aside, he puts his hand on my shoulder, right? This freaking, you know, he's like a 23, 24-year-old guy, this is his first tour overseas. He's like, Mike, look, man, we're out of here. I'm like, what do you mean you're out of here? Like, what, how, elaborate. Take his whip. Right, elaborate. He's like, dude. I know that you guys are trying with this mission and everything else, and you're doing good work, but I can't stand your gunny, and he is throwing wrenches in the chain and all of this other stuff, and uh, I'm grabbing all my guys and all of our crap, and we're getting the hell out of here. I'm like, oh, my God. Like, you're, what? Oh, dude, it was. Way to be a team player, sir. He, well, and the whole, <laughs> and <laughs> exactly. I was like, you giant blue falcon. You're just you like. <laughs> You, you freaking just like, uh, you just, you administered green weenie, you know, sans lube. I'm like, this is uncalled for. He goes, look, man, he goes, between you and I, we're about to do a push and my ass is going to be on a helicopter in the next couple of days. And I'm like, okay. And he's like, so think of this as pre-staging. He put his whole platoon in another patrol base half the size. It was like, it was ridiculous. He had 40 people inside of a patrol base that was, I mean, like maybe a quarter acre. And you're like, wow. Wow. It looked like a castle under siege. Like It looked like something out of Monty Python. <laughs> he had two GP tents in the thing, and that's away, all that it could Run fit. away. Um, so, so anyhow, yeah. <laughs> So, <laughs> dude, it was such an odd experience. And then I came home and I'm like, okay, that's done. I'm done with that now. I read, 
I read this book when I was overseas. It's Napoleon Hill's Think and Grow Rich. Yeah. And Think and Grow Rich, if you're not familiar with it, I originally thought that it was just some self-help book, which I'm not a big fan of that type of material. And uh, I realized that it was exactly what I was looking for because I was the kid who really, really loved history in school, not because I like dates or memorizing anything. It's because it tells the story of how not to do or how to do things. And it gives you, you know, if you seek out the little chunks of wisdom that's in there, you can really figure out what you're doing. It, it's, so it, it's a bush, that, uh, a book that we push uh, a lot on this show, and and a lot of people don't know. There's another great book that Napoleon Hill wrote is called Outwitting the Devil, uh, and and that's it, he actually sits down and interviews his version of the devil, and it, it it's they're they're great books, great books. Yeah. See, and so I, of course, you know, like I love reading. I'm not one of those types of people who enjoy sitting down, pouring over a novel or like a string of fiction or anything else like that. One of those people who wants to read lessons learned, a journey and experience. Would that be a good fit for me? You know, I I just want to experience everything in life. I'm one of those types of guys. And so um, when I was overseas, I read Napoleon Hill's you know, uh, think and grow rich. And I immediately was like, I need to get to action. I started doodling on graph paper. By the time I got home, just sending snail mail back and forth to my old man, uh, I had a provisional patent on my first product and wound up moving from Camp Pendleton to Boston, Massachusetts, of all places. I left the Marine Corps May 12th, 2012. My first day in college was May 16th, 2012. So we drove across the country with all of our stuff, moved into a house, and then I immediately hopped into a classroom in four days. Uh, wow. Lined up the GI Bill. I had not checked out the school. It was UMass Boston. It's the only state school in the city limits of Boston. We were going to be living over there. My wife's originally from Western Massachusetts, so she doesn't have the weird, annoying accent, right? <laughs> like the dude. And let's the go down to the bar. The, I swear to God, the last time I was on the Metro, or the T is what they call it up there, I heard two construction workers like, you got to go on the uh, the Mackey Mac picture. you got to go check that out, right? They still call Mark Wahlberg Marky Mark. They're like, you got to go check out that new Mackey Mac picture. I don't know. What's it about, dude? I was like, I don't know. It's like guns and stuff like chicks and cash and blowing shit up. And I don't know who the hell gives Mackey Mac, you know what I'm saying? Like, we're totally, we got to go. You know, like what? Okay, I guess. I mean, those guys. Well, and he grew up in Dorchester, or excuse me, Dorchester. Dorchester. Right? Yeah. Yeah. And they say stuff like Worcester. You're from Worcester. Yeah. You see see Worcester on paper, that's Worcester. And you're like, no, this doesn't make any sense. So I, uh, I brought my product all the way to a commercial market while attending UMass and had investors the whole nine yards, just the business relationship and everything else with the management team and the investors, the vision of the company. It eventually all just kind of like caved in on itself. And so, oh, man. I, what, what, what Can you say what it was? It was all of those things simultaneously. It was we had somebody who was suing us over the name. Oh, um, uh, we had done a trademark search and the whole nine yards prior to actually creating the business 
Um, but during that time frame, they were waiting for their paperwork to go through. Oh. So they were like, dude, we're not trying to headhunt. It's just that name, what we make. We're in the same industry. We own the trademark. Please change it. So which meant changing, I mean, like a thousand marketing promo cards that were going in product, you know, like everything from the UPC, like everything was under that name, not a parent company. And it was just like, <laughs> uh, this is a nightmare. And then uh, Getty came. Don't mess with Getty Images. Yeah. Getty, yeah. Getty came after us. I Oh, my God, I can't believe this happened. A veteran came to us and said, I want to do a, a hike up Mount Kilimanjaro. Will right. you post this advertising? So we posted it. It had an image that was protected by Getty. Yeah. We did not know. And they will come after you with blazing right. everything at you. Yeah. So they were like, we're going after both of you. And uh, we negotiated and settled in the whole nine yards, you know, for something way less, but still something for something that we, you know, it was poor due diligence on our part and trusting a fellow veteran who has always done right by us and continues to. It's just, whoops. Lesson learned. Kind of oh, a thing. dude. Yeah. You know? Thousands of dollars lessons yeah, yeah, an expensive and, one at that. Oh, yeah. And so by the end of it, it was tens of thousands of dollars. And what are we going to do with this? And uh, and so, yeah, I, uh, I wound up taking the idea to the Institute of Veteran Military and Families. I'm a proud, proud alum of uh, EBV, which is the Entrepreneurship Bootcamp for Veterans. Mm -hmm. Yep. And. Loved it. Fantastic program. Went through the Syracuse course July 2014. Yep. It was awesome. And it's where I found the other crazy ones, which was, <laughs> I was like, oh, my God, there's other people like me. Like, yes. Like, you care so much that you're willing to obsess. I obsess over it. My wife is like, oh, yeah, people say that you're passionate. I tell people that you're obsessed. <laughs> obsessed. Like, of course you do, honey. Thank you. Right. Like <laughs> like like mashed potato mountain, right? You know, in the middle of the dining room yeah. table. Yeah. Uh it, it's it's one of those things where uh, like I I have to do it or I will die. I've been offered numerous other positions, very good pain with organizations that I might even like to work for in areas that I don't want to live doing probably something that will eat my soul. And so I would rather keep my soul intact, right. deal with a whole lot of pain, and then just brunt right through that pain, you know, chunking away, always adding value to every situation. How can I be of service? Right. How can I be of use? Surrounding myself with great people like friends, advisors, mentors who inspire and lift you up. It's an acronym, by the way, family, friends, advisors, mentors who inspire and lift you up. I like that. Yeah. Those are the people that I needed to surround myself with, but I needed to find an area that I could jive and flow with that has a similar core belief and value structure. So I really found that in Raleigh, which is what brought me down here. After, after the business failed, I went to EBV and I graduated during, during that that process, you go through a pitch competition. And I took most outstanding venture with a company that had already failed. 
Say, and, say that one more time. So I, I went to IB, IVMF's EBV course. My business was done. It was kaput. I had already saw investors, 20 different meetings with billionaires who have awesome penthouses in Boston. And everybody said, Mike, I'll invest in you, but I won't invest in your company. And I went to EBV. Went through all the coursework and everything else, knowing full well that my company was not viable. I knew that it wasn't going to work. And so I went through and I pitched the company and I had the plan and everything else and took most outstanding venture. <laughs> I, and, and right. And you're like, you're like, I don't. So the universe is telling you something, right? Right. I mean, this is what I decided when I went into a deep dark physical depression three weeks after EBV when I was like, I'm away from all of the people who understand me. I'm isolated, um, anxious, you know, depressed with everything else. My company fell apart. I'm not talking to my partners. I'm in a hole. I'm in a vacuum. I've got these blisters on my hands, feet, mouth, in my hair, in my beard, like, Weird, turn into these weird, like watercolor blisters or covered blisters, slough off all of this other stuff. I mean, I was in full sweat, sweating on the back porch, just like this sucks in the middle in the middle of the summer. So what what was what was after that? It sounds like, and the reason I want to bring this up is, is it sounds like you're coming on a, a yet another hour of decision. Uh, hence the show that you're on right now, the decision hour, right. uh, where you had to make a decision to make a change in your life. Um, and, and, you know, I've, I've gone through those of you that, that have listened to this show. Know I've, I, I've had several uh, business ventures that have, that have failed. I've had several that I've sold. Um, and, and then it was where it brought me to hear where we are today. And, and Michael is, is now going through that same thing. So Mike, tell us what, you know, you you just finished. Now you you just finished EBV. You said you're about three two three weeks, and you're getting these these sweats, these blisters, and whatnot. Oh man, it's crazy. Now now your feet are on the line. It's your decision hour right now. What happens next? Yeah, I get offered a job. Okay, and what and what kind of job? Can you say who it was? I I um to be a lobbyist. Go on. So. I won't mention the company directly, albeit I am rather passionate about their project. Right. The job would have me in Boston okay. or in the New England area. All right. Yeah, it's up there. Makes sense. All of this other stuff. But I'm not going to be able to juggle everything all at once. So later on that fall... I see on the calendar, right, the EBV National Conference is coming up. It was actually that November 2014. I get offered this job at September time frame as I'm going back into school. So anybody on post-9-11 GI Bill understands how this works. You've got BAH. Somebody's paying you. You're a full-time student. I decided that I would rather stay in school doing what I was doing, but I didn't want to burn the bridge. So I graciously turned down the job and continued my education. Okay. 
as I was going through that semester, I went to the EBV National Conference where I was approached by a fellow EBV graduate, Mark Garrett. He was a former command sergeant major. He runs militarymentor.com.org.com. I should know that. He also is the proprietor of bloodstripes.com, which I help run. Uh, it is a Marine Corps knowledge-based website. Uh, it's going through some developmental shifts right now. But Mark asked me, to write books, basically sharing lessons learned from our experiences in the Marine Corps applied to doctrine. So going on Marines.mil, pulling out the Marine Corps Combat Marship Order, and then writing articles based upon my experiences as a CMT, and then talking to the Marine Corps Marksmanship Order, which is fun. And I've written a couple of those, those articles. So that was one of the opportunities that came my way. The second thing that happened was I shared with Mr. Bennett Tanton, who is a Marine uh, who also served in the Army Infantry after the Marine Corps. Um, and he and I were out one night out on the Olympic grounds there in downtown Atlanta, Georgia, and uh, which is where the conference was being held that year. And it must have been 12, 1 o'clock in the morning. We were walking around puffing on stogies. And uh, I told him everything that happened. And he was just like, dude, this is nuts. Like no one, none of my classmates knew that my company had fallen apart. I talked to no one in between EBV and then. And so we were walking around and he was like, hey, man, I had an idea. Maybe we should make a podcast. And I'm like, yeah, we could tell C stories. Yeah, it could be like this. We could slap a microphone down like you're talking in the lounge, something along those lines. Hey, man, with cigars. Yeah, like you're chilling, you know, a real dude atmosphere, like you're out back behind the hooch, you know, cigars and C stories. And, that, and that's how it was born? Yep. And so immediately afterwards, cigars and C stories, smoking and joking since 1775. <laughs> I love it. And they folks and they put on a great show. So if you're if you're listening to this this show right now, it means you're online. So go ahead and open open up another browser. Uh, excuse me, another browser, and uh, go to cigarsandcstories.com, Right. Yep. Uh, you can find and you can find them. If, and if you follow us on uh, Heroes Media Group, you can find uh, Cigars and Sea Stories. They are they are uh, part of the HMG family. You can see all of their information. Uh, uh, as well on uh, heroesmediagroup.com as well. So make sure, if you're not following them, <laughs> make sure that you do. You want to. A lot of great information that these guys knock out each week. Well, and it's fun, too, because we're talking shop every once in a while. The entrepreneurship aspect is a big tone within the show. But the key ingredient is you have to be a veteran. We've never had anyone who's not a veteran on the show. Uh, and you must add value to the world. Uh our our biggest thing that I love doing is interviewing somebody, you know, who has an out front persona like Travis McVeigh. He does heroes, heroes, <laughs> vodka. Yeah. Right. He does all of these other different great things. Right. And then you bring him on the show and he tells stories about boot camp. Yep. And he tell and he tells stories about, you know, like you're like, dude, you're a dumbass recruit. You know what I mean? Like you did some dumb shit and I did some of that, too. You know, and so really what it does is it breaks down those barriers and it's like, dude, you've got the exact same background. You know, you have that that prestige, 
and the ability to do it, just apply, you know, the, the skill set. So that's some of the other things that we're looking to do with cigars and seizures. And really that night, you know, as we were walking around at zero one, when that came to us, there was this bright light, two of them. <laughs> and we were just like, Wah! right, right, right. And then we realized the semi shit, was coming. No, I'm shit, shit, that's that's the security. And they're like, you guys got to get the hell out of here. We're like, ah! you know, freaking out. And no joke, two guys on segways were like, dude, what are you guys doing? Oh, wait, time out. Wait a minute. You gotta go oh, back. I swear to God, <laughs> man, you can't be out there in the middle of the night. They're like kicking bums out of there and stuff. So we're walking around in like suits, smoking cigars. <laughs> they're on segways. They're, they're, they're like, why are you here? I'm like, what do you mean? We're at the hotel. We're smoking. What do you, what, what, what? Where do you want me to go? You know what I mean? But they were very, we got ushered along. And uh, and immediately, I mean, I sat down and started scribbling. Um, he pulled his cell phone out and started typing, and we started sending each other emails uh, immediately, emails that were just ideas, that were just the premise. Hey, let's write a quick little like operations order on what we could do, which is something that I picked up along the way because as I was pitching my idea, one of my mentors, a Norwich graduate, he was an officer in the Marine Corps, and he said, Mike, just give me a five-paragraph order on what you want to do. Five-paragraph order. Like a five-paragraph op order. Yeah, like SMEAC. Yeah, gotcha. So I'm driving on this. That's how, that's how I've done a lot of what I do. I, I've used SMEAC because it's simple. If you, if, you have, if you have eight slides in a pitch deck, you can get the job done. You really can. Your intro, do all of SMEAC, how people can contact you will be the last slide with all of your hashtags, blah, 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 whatever. And then, you know, that that's like your your follow-up slide or whatever. Yeah. And you can get the job done. Because right after SMEAC, you do your ask. At least that's where I like putting it. And then here's how you can contact us in order to get this done. So anyway, I uh, so we were using that model already for business creation just in brainstorming. We were taking SMEAC in Frago template, right? So the fragmentary order and just saying, okay, if we constructed a podcast or a company that looked like this, what, what would it really lay out to? And then how can we do different iterations? Because you can't, you can't get by with just a podcast. I mean, I guess you could, but you've got to have an ecosystem to be able to offer. Right. And so the next, the next product that I wanted to unveil, so to speak, was the five-paragraph business plan. And the five-paragraph business plan is just, as I said, it's SMEAC and then it's IVMS, nuts and bolts of great business plans. And it correlates where you're coming from with where you want to go. It is a free resource. Matter of fact, if folks want to check it out right now, it's cigarsandseastories.com forward slash business plan creator. Again, that's cigarsandseastories.com forward slash business plan creator. And when you fill out that resource, you can save and continue, come back to it. When you submit, it populates and autofills into a Word document, which is already formatted. And then you have a business plan, a tangible business plan when you're done. So you just go through block by block, concentrate on just that block, prioritize on just that block. 
Do what you can there. Get on to the next one. Save and continue if you must. And then when you're done, you'll have the whole document. That's pretty cool. That's, yeah, really, I, that, that's really cool. So you guys are not, I mean, and, and it's all about giving back. And that's what you, you mentioned that before. And, and I think that's something that we hear at, at, you know, the decision hour and everybody at the, that's, what's nice about the HMG network is that it, it, it's all about giving back. So you guys are giving back. And I love that. Yeah. Well, and what I really like about five paragraph business plan, and this is kind of unique in what we're doing, five paragraph business plan, the resource what we have in the shoot, and we've got a whole toolkit. We're doing like Met TTSL, the warning order, the fragmentary order. We're applying everything, but we're doing it to business terms. So when you go on there and you see executive summary, you're going to be filling out mission, enemy, right? And then now is the now is the part in the conversation where I like to identify exactly what the enemy is. Right. Okay, because here's the thing. And I was wrong when I first did these. The enemy to me was always the competition. How can I do in the competition? How can I get out there and beat the competition? What do I need to do? I was so wrong. I was worried about the competition, how they're doing stuff, all of this. other. It, so wrong. Right. And the enemy is actually the need. It's the problem opportunity statement. It's the reason why you created the company. It is why customers are looking for your solution. Right. And if you attack and address that need in a customer-centric way, then you're going to be successful because you're adding value. It's a quality race instead of trying to outdo someone on price. Yeah. And that's the best. That's when the consumer wins. And that's what I love. And so five paragraph business plan resources are always going to be free. A lot of civilians don't necessarily understand that. Plus, a lot of veterans who are out there maybe are saying, hey, man, give me a case study. Give me some examples. No problem. It's in the works. There are other successful entrepreneurs who have done this before who are out there. Black Rifle Coffee, to the best of my knowledge, was actually written on a five paragraph business plan. I don't know. I haven't sat down with Evan Hafer. Everybody tells me, hey, yeah, that sounds like how he did it. So, and I'm hearing these things, then I'm looking over and seeing fellow veterans who are in startups who have written five paragraph op order business plans. I'm not going to name names right now because those are the case studies that are going to be in the book. Right. And then the book will, of course, be for money. And that's how we're going to monetize it. I, bottom line up front, pay me for the book and doing the research and the case studies and all of this other stuff. And the resources are always free. They're always there for you. We'll do different iterations of the book. Um, so, yeah. I love I'm it. Really- Absolutely love it. Michael, tell us, um, when, if people want to hear the show, yeah. uh, com. how often are you guys putting out podcasts and stuff right now? Twice a week. We do it every Tuesday and Thursday at 01 Eastern is when we launch to all of our aggregators. And then it is populated that day to our website um, by Bennett, our wonderful. He's one of our co-hosts who's on there and also <laughs> runs our social media arm and does all the, the beautiful magic on our little pictures. He understands Photoshop. I don't get that stuff. <laughs> yeah. So I was like, whatever. 
You do it. Uh, I can type. I can write. I can do all of that other stuff. But when it comes to the creative aspects of how to use computers, I am at a loss. Yeah. So <laughs> thanks. Um, so then, yeah, it's. Go uh, ahead. Go ahead. Oh, I'm sorry. It's every Tuesday and Thursday. Um, and in doing this, uh, the intention has always been to let the conversation breathe. And then to go and build one layer at a time and get a bunch of audio content. And now we're roping in a bunch of folks like thewarhorse.org. We did an episode with Thomas Brennan of thewarhorse.org. He's a Marine combat veteran, went to Columbia, educated in investigative journalism, wrote for the New York Times. Now he's doing thewarhorse.org. And he's writing and highlighting pieces like he's filling in the blanks of Carpenter's backstory. Um, oh, God, is it Jason? Ugh, I should know this. Oh, my God. Um, but he's filling in his backstory of when he got blown up to when he woke up. Uh, he's interviewed Mattis, all of these other great folks. So um, we're going to be working with them, cross-pollinating a lot of the content. We're going to be working with a lot of the other Heroes Media Group shows within the network. Uh, so we're moving into that stage. Um, one of the things that got us to this point and the key ingredient in my own opinion to how we've done any of this, notice how I'm saying we, we have done it. No way. Can you do this alone? No, we collectively, uh, it boils down to, <laughs> it's very simple and it's extraordinarily challenging you need to adopt a mantra. And in my opinion, the mantra is add value. Yep. Right? It's hashtag add value, whatever you want to say. I did a TED talk on it. I did TEDx Raleigh. Um, Mike, let me let me ask you something real quick, though. Because you're bringing up, you're adding value and yeah. whatnot. Because I think a lot of people, and and this is my you know, kind of my percept, my personal perception on things, is like a lot of people go into business, they're chasing the dollar. And, right. And... And my thought on that, if you're going to chase the dollar, it, you might, you're going to spend the, pretty much the rest of your life chasing that dollar. Um, I have found, and we've kind of developed a, a, um, a saying here at HMG, is that it's a purpose for a, the profit, meaning you always keep the purpose first because as soon as you try to put the profit first, and, and don't get me wrong, you know, we're, you go into business, you got to make money, you got bills to pay, families to feed, etc. But it, it always seems that if you put the purpose first, the money will follow. Yeah. No, I couldn't agree more. And that digs up one key point where veterans fall by the wayside to their civilian counterparts. Veterans who succeed in this game overprice what their gut is telling them and allow me to explain you you have poured your heart and soul into something you have walked around and you have said how much would you pay for this what do you think about this is it useful do you get multiple uses out of it you know is it entertaining empowering you know what do you think about this product and then you take what you think you should charge for it and like double it and the reason why I say it that way is because we as veterans as a subculture push out an extremely high quality product mm -hmm. and yet we underprice ourselves yep. for the quality that we deliver. I'm not talking to me specifically. I'm talking to the general population of veterans who 
who for some reason don't negotiate for salaries, who for some reason, you know, we get let go of jobs for being overtly honest, you know, other such things, the weirdest cases. These are attributes which you need as a leader and as an entrepreneur. And more often than not, veterans are being undersold by themselves. You know, it's going to cost. I'm telling you right now, I'm doing a lot of public speaking. I've been doing it in and around the Triangle area. I've been doing it around North Carolina and these other such things. I really enjoy it. I, I, I had a great experience with Ted and all of this other stuff. I'm going to tell you right now, if somebody wants to, to have me as a speaker, it will cost them quite a bit of money. And it's not because I'm some big shot or anything else like that. It's because the experience, the wisdom, and the knowledge that comes along with being a combat veteran of two wars before the age of 25, the leadership, the patrol leader knowledge, the I get in front of the masses, 300 lieutenants at a time, and engage in conversation with them, that right there, that's worth money. That talent, that skill, what the what the Marine Corps baseline taught me to be able to do, that's what that's worth money. Yeah. Because we were told that we weren't special. Yeah, you're not special in the Marine Corps. You're crazy special out here. <laughs> what are you nuts? There's only two hundred thousand of us. There's the the proud few. Are you kidding me? You know. And then it's of course you act out of that. Hey man, but I want to be humble and all of that other stuff. Well, that's great. But for some reason, I mean, I did it. I'm speaking out of experience, brother. Yeah. That includes equity in a company. Don't be giving away equity in your company. What are you crazy? Don't do that. That's like, ugh, don't do that. That's yeah, like I, sharing I, your wife. Yeah, that is what that is the mentality that I have. And I and I've done I, and I've done that before. Not yeah, not the sharing the wife part, the equity no. in the business. <laughs> no. <laughs> no. no keys in the fishbowl. Yeah, right. yep. Switch. We ain't, uh. we ain't swinging around here. <laughs> we, ain't, we ain't pulling the crazy H up in you know, the wicked, the wackadacka seesaw. Oh, that my is God. Not, uh. No saw. <laughs> That's funny. Well, listen, I, Mike, we I, got we got about, we got about ten minutes left here. Yeah, and, I, and I really want to go into you know you you brought up that you you've done Ted. Uh, and, and, and you're going around and you, you've talked quite a bit. You are the program director for Bunker Labs down there in the Raleigh-Durham uh, yep. area, correct? Yep. Now, I'm seeing Bunker Labs. I'm, uh, the more and more, uh, you know, and, and since I've known you for the latter part of, what, about nine months, six six to nine months now, and, and I, you know, I've, I've seen Bunker Labs around before. didn't know much about it, and then I got to know you, uh, you know, offline quite a bit, and I, I've, now I'm seeing Bunker Labs popping up all over the country, and and I'm in the Phoenix area most most of the time. I would say I probably spend about seventy five percent of my time between here and and uh, and DC. Uh, and I know DC's got one, but I, they're now starting to put a bunker labs here. There's talks about putting a bunker lab here in uh, in Arizona. So tell us what you're doing with bunker labs down there. Yeah, absolutely. So. In leaving EBV, I needed to find another collective of veterans who were, I mean, obsessed over entrepreneurship to the same degree that I was. And I did my research, could have moved anywhere. I chose Raleigh due to the Research Triangle Park area. A lot of folks are not familiar, but it's basically like, I mean, it, it is definitely as high tech as Silicon Valley. You could call it an East Coast Silicon Valley. SAS is here, Citrix. 
Uh, Red Hat was founded here. All of these awesome companies are co-located in between either Raleigh, which is one entire community unto itself, and then Durham, uh, which has the American Underground. Um, and, of course, they've got a cool art scene, D-Packs over there, all of this other stuff. Chapel Hill, completely different experience altogether. Research Triangle Park ties them into one. So I'm like, huh, okay. Raleigh, Durham, Chapel Hill, International Airport, great schools, can live out in the country, shoot my guns. I mean, I am a staunch supporter of the Second Amendment. Hello. Uh, yeah, that's, uh, that's, that's me. You know, yeah. so we did our recon down here, wound up finding a place bunker wound up coming about because we were doing cigars and sea stories and we were trying to get this pipeline going of trying to find other entrepreneurs. And so we reached out to bunker saying, hey, man, we want to get together. We want to work together. We want to interview Dean. They invited us in as a cohort. So our company was in the first cohort at Bunker Labs RDU. Nice. And as we graduated, Dean pulled me aside and said, you want to stick around? I'm like, yeah, man, I'm going to be working here like, I don't know, three days a week, whatever. You know, just kind of like, uh, he's like, nah, man, like I'm offering you a job. I'm like, uh, uh, let's, you know, let's talk over, see what's up. Long story short, it fits into everything because I have the ability to teach five paragraph business plan. If you want to know more about it. Um, we have a maker space in Bunker Labs RDU. So we've got 3D laser cutters and printers and the whole nine yards. Um, and so that's going in. That's a biomedic grant that we've got. And they work with a variety of different inventors. We're the only one around the nation who currently has a bunker maker space. And so what is the bunker? It's a high-tech American legion. That's what I like telling people. Nice. It is it is a veteran-focused business accelerator. And the whole key to this is the pipeline. So every one of us interested in entrepreneurship already have a business doing this, been doing this. Get on Bunker in a Box. It's bunkerinabox.org. It's free to sign up. There's a little leaderboard on there. It's mission-oriented, whatever, and it's got a structure. Now, real quick, raise your hand if you were ever told by the teacher to stop looking out of the window daydreaming all freaking day. Because I was that dude, right? Like, if I got interested on something else, even within the textbook, I would start reading the textbook on a different subject. And she's like, you can't do that. I'm like, well, why not? I'm interested in it. I want to keep what that's. Anyway, so what I love about Bunker in a Box <laughs> is it allows you to do exactly that. It's got baseline material that you go off of. Read this article. Listen to this podcast. Check out this video. But then it gives you links throughout the articles, podcast, videos, so on and so forth to chase further down the rabbit hole. The more interested you become in this, and then bam, you have a place to come back to center. I, I really enjoy it. And they've got a lot of really good stuff that's on there. Lots of great information, especially if you're entry level because, you know, it's easy to get overwhelmed. After that, we've got the Epic program. That's more of a night school base. Mm -hmm. um, you're looking to get into it. You're running. You know, you you need to come into a community collective in order to be around fellow entrepreneurs in order to collaborate. But also, uh, we're involving speakers to come in and maybe open the mind to a few of these different online solutions that you would not otherwise, 
you know, be privy to. So they would come in and teach you like, here's Hootsuite, here's Buffer, here's Hotspot, like or HubSpot, here's all of these different things in a marketing approach. You know, here's customer relation management software. Here's five or six of them. Feel them out. Check it out. Here's access to JSTOR, right, which is journals and the Edison Foundation and all of these, the Kauffman Foundation, so all it, of these different resources. It, yeah, I was going to say, it kind of gives you an idea of, like, for somebody that doesn't know what, like, hey, listen, I want to go into business. I, I got my, my five-paragraph op order, but I'm not sure, you know, how do I manage a CRM system? What's the best CRM system? How do I do this? What's an email? You know, what's a robust email plan or what's a social media marketing plan or what, you know, whatever. Right. It sounds like they they help the veterinpreneur here, they give them here, check these out. This is what's going to help you look into it, find the one that works best for you. Yes. Yes. And there's a lot of, Hey, did you think of this? Hey, did you think of this? Because we don't have, Oh, well, here's a business plan. And then you just fill it out. The five paragraph op order is just a skeleton. It's a structure in order to get bite sized pieces of information and then bring them together into something that makes sense. Right. That's that's what the bunker does. It offers a skeletal structure to go, oh, damn. All right. Yeah, I need that. This is what a pitch deck should look like. Damn, I never even thought of a marketing strategy. You know, when you're going through it, you know, I I relate it over to military terms, right? But it's not attack somebody else. Again, I reemphasize you're attacking the need with the same passion that you had before because that is your mission that is exactly why you exist um so that's that's my little you know two cents as far as the 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 five paragraph business plan being injected into the one piece of curriculum but you're going to be inserted like entrepreneur operating system how to maintain accountability of yourself and everything else around you how to have a proficient meeting how about that yeah and that's and that's huge and that's <laughs> <laughs> and it's an right. art. It's it really is an art form, uh, in, in right. doing so. Michael, we got a couple more minutes here. I want to make sure you guys got an event coming up uh, down there in the bunker down in, in Raleigh uh, coming up. I believe next month, if I'm not mistaken. Can you talk a little bit about that? Yes, definitely. September twenty second, two thousand sixteen. Uh, so September twenty second, we will be having the Bunker Labs RDU muster. Now, I want to invite your listeners right now. Here's my takeaway. So grab your pen and paper because everybody's got to have at least one takeaway. Uh, and I know I've had a few other links. Um, but bunkerlabsrdu.org forward slash pitch. Pitch. Papa, India, Tango, Charlie, Hotel. Pitch. Got it. Okay. You can... You can and sign up right there, apply to be a pitch presenter, and then you'll get, you know, thank you. You'll see my ugly mug on there. Um, and sign up for that. If you are an ambitious veteran with a bold business idea, you have the opportunity to win a $5,000 grant. That day, you will win $5,000 if you win that competition. And now keep in mind, venture capitalists are going to be there. Angel investors are going to be there. Area entrepreneurs, business leaders are going to be there. I mean, like, it's going to be awesome. And it's being held at the MetLife GTO Center, which is in Cary, North Carolina. So it's right just out, just barely outside of RTP. It's right on Weston, 
Weston Boulevard or Weston Drive. Um, and it's this beautiful, high-tech, 18-month-old building, right? You got to use baby terms to it. This thing is awesome. <laughs> it is. I mean, dude, I'm telling you. It's just like, wow, this is. And it's not like one of those where it's this overbearing thing. It's just a big, impressive, like white marble glass, all of this other cool stuff. You're like, yep, come a long way since walking into a Quonset hut. Tell you that much right now. <laughs> come a long way. There used to be dirt floors on them Quonset huts out in Twin Palms. Come a long way. This is happening. And so uh, September 22nd. Again, if you want to pitch, it's bunkerlabsrdu.org forward slash pitch. Um, oh, you know what I forgot? If you guys want to check out the TED Talk, uh, we've got the slides, the video, a full transcription of the talk up on Cigars and Sea Stories. It is cigarsandseastories.com forward slash add value. Um, forgot to add that one. I know it's too many links. Too many links, and we'll and we'll, and we'll but, make sure uh, that we get this up uh, on all of our social media stuff as, as we do. Um, Michael, any closing words before we let you go today? Anything that you want to tell the the listeners that you that you haven't said it yet? Ooh, one of the biggest things, and add value. Not to elaborate on the TED or anything else like that. Adding value in a business day to day. And what got me off of that back porch when I was covered in sores, combing like dead skin out of my beard, kind of sort of wishing I was dead. Uh, what got me out of that in any other dark time, what have you, is realizing that the only way through was through it. And to accept the situation that I was in, whether that was my fault or somebody else, don't harbor the resentment, so on and so forth. Every action taken adds value, even if that just means sitting back, keeping my mouth shut while the gas station attendee has to deal with this person, whatever. Crack some jokes for the lady behind the counter. That's cool. Sit down, play with your kids. That's adding value. Cock back, take a nap in the hammock because you've been working for 20 straight hours. That's adding value to you. That's every single little tidbit action. And, and putting in more than I take. And when I started doing that, surrounding myself with the good folks, so on and so forth, other people who enjoyed adding value with my same core belief, good orderly direction, so on, yeah, things started to change, move in the right direction. And that's, that's that. That's great. Ladies and gentlemen, Michael Penny. Michael, I appreciate you coming on today brother and uh you know we're oh it's always good to talk to you i'm always excited to hear about all the stuff that you got going on and uh appreciate you being a part of the hmg uh family so until next time brother thank you absolutely thank you so much for having me on the show and uh take care be well brother looking forward to the next time we can catch up ladies and gentlemen that was michael penny you can find him at cigarsandseastories.com a uh, great friend of ours you can also find uh cigars and sea stories at cigarsandseastories.com or heroesmediagroup.com click on radio shows and uh you'll see their show there be sure to check them out follow them on facebook twitter instagram uh and all around just a great guy uh, i love talking with mike so i was glad he was able to uh, come on that's been a long time coming uh been wanting to uh, get him on the show for a while uh that's all the time i got today folks a big uh, shout out 
uh, real quick to Heroes Media Group. Uh, all the shows and sponsors uh, that are a part of the Heroes Media Group family, go to www.heroesmediagroup.com. Make sure you follow uh, them on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram by Heroes Media GRP. Until next time, folks, thanks for tuning in. You've been listening to The Decision Hour. Try